Hey, it's your girl Queenie, and I am back with part two of the discussion that I was having with my ex-husband, my children's father, Pastor McLean. And um, I know many of you probably listened to the first one and was like, wow, they're like telling it all. Well, we do definitely go in depth. So right now you can listen to part two. He actually picks it up where he was over in Korea and um, the doctor told him he has to let these things go that has been um, plaguing him because he was suffering with all these migraines and um, stress headaches and things of that nature. So yeah, continue listening and um, tell us what you think. I hope you enjoy it and I hope it blesses someone. He said that it seems like I was free and from that day forward, I did never have another migraine and mm. I was I was able to start the rebuild phase because I knew, you know what I'm saying, that um, I had lost something precious. You know, I had lost my family, but I knew that I wanted to become a better man. I knew I wanted to, if we were not going to ever be back together as husband and wife, then the next thing I needed to do is continue to be a friend, mm-hmm. and a co-parent, and help you raise our children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, you said a mouthful. I, 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 again, I hope people are listening and they, you know, and they hear it for what it is. You know, they hear us for who we are. Um, because you're right. And, and I remember, I mean, because I know you so well, you know, you're my friend. Um, I know when Rick is sad, I know when he is extremely happy, I know when he is thinking, I know when something's missing from his life. He is my friend. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so I knew you were having a very, very hard time. Uh, and, you know, my, my personality isn't like yours. You know, I mean, mine is like, oh, get him go. <laughs> but I still need closure by way of communication. And the unfortunate piece about us is that we, the communication come, became very difficult based on the content. Um, you were you did not want to discuss what brought us to that place. And so for me, I was starving because I needed to talk it through and understand it. So since, since unfortunately you didn't give me that ultimately we, you know, we wind up splitting, but, but, you know, I knew you were struggling and, and here it was, I was struggling. Just, I didn't get a chance. You know, I had the kids in tow, so there was no chance for me to deal with it any other way but moving forward right well you, you know, know um you know that, and that's very true um because you know the demand that you came to me and said look let's go to council let's put everything on the table and begin to rebuild mm-hmm. and in that moment i had my family and my relationship all in the palm of my hand all I had to do was say yes, and we could have very different outcomes. Of it. Yeah. But because of the broken system that I came from, and and from that that traditional thinking of keeping everything private, or it was taboo that you didn't go to a counselor because you didn't want everybody to be in your business, and so it was a double it was a double standard. You know, even though we had the access to go and do these things, but yeah. in my mind, because of what I was raised to be. I said no, because I didn't want nobody. I spoke like to, you know, any other man, you know, that was of, of that day. 
I'm not doing it because I want to do my business. And then you had to make the decision. Do I stay to save face or do I go and get um, to repair myself, yeah. you know, my mental state? And, and as you see right now, that mental health is on the rise, especially during the pandemic right now and all the other things that we deal with on a daily basis. So mental health is now one of the hardest, one of the hottest markets of jobs that we need because there's a lot of people who are suffering from mental illness. And that was something I didn't never want you to be in. Mm-hmm. And so I truly understand why you made a decision, but it was hard to embrace it because I was going, uh, I was in it with you. And you yeah. know, when you're not dealing with pain and you're not dealing with issues, it is so easy to tell somebody to trust God when it's not you. Yeah, ain't that the Go home and pray about yeah. it. Yeah, go pray about it. Clean your face up, go wash, oh, take your husband yeah. dinner, and y'all just go to a movie and y'all be all right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Life. Women, women, be submissive to your man. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's another subject right there. So. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, you know, we, we went through all of that. That was really our teaching. Right. And that was your thinking. Right. And I was trying, but it wasn't it wasn't going to work out. I mean, I just was not going to be that type of first lady. It was never going to happen for me. Um, and it, it's not that I didn't. It's, it's not that I didn't want to be married. It was understanding that the little things that we're dealing with right now that keep popping up they're going to overtake us later. And I did not want to resent and hate you and our kids grow up seeing that. And we would have totally destroyed our friendship. Um, And even though you were still willing to kind of deal with it, I was just like, you deserve better than that. You deserve to be in a space where you are loved and respected. And we had to have had that to be restored in order for us to get over that hump. And we didn't have the time for restoration. We didn't seek the restoration the proper way. Now, would our marriage, would our, would we still be together 30 years later, 20 some years or whatever time for this? Years later, who knows, right? We'll never know. But the truth of the matter is, is that those that are listening, you know, take the proper steps to try to make it work. We know for sure that we did not finish the race we just didn't and I know that there are other relationships um, that went bad went sour because there was an ultimatum that was proposed and someone said no and that relationship dissolved and it it probably could have lasted you know yeah because we're not bad people but you know but when I think about it as as I listen to you talk and I let my mind go back to those days what happened was, is that you, I'm talking about you, and I, I don't want to speak for you, and correct me if I'm wrong, okay. but I think that you went into defense mode. Yeah. Of the experiences that led up to, that made who you were up to that point. And here it is, you seeing another barrier that I said, okay, let me, let me attack with this now before it gets too late. But let me go to him first and tell him, this is what I need you to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And my lack, my failure into recognizing that because mm-hmm. I knew the story. And one thing about me and you and people seeing it today is that we're, we are very transparent when it came yeah. to things. You know, our conversation is like this. You know, we put everything on the table and let it just be what it's going to be. And so I think that what you, what you saw during that time, like, okay, 
I, I'm seeing something down the road. And one thing I knew about you is that everything you would say, and I'd be like, and then I can give you several examples. Oh, that ain't, that ain't true. That ain't, that ain't it is. And I had to eat humble pie to come back to you and say, you know what, you were right. You know, and see, that tells you that it's growth. Because every yeah. time you said something, it seemed like, I don't know if you were prophesying or not, but it's like, it came You know, I got that gift. I, you know, I do. You know, you know I got the gift. You know so, that. And so, but in my, and I got into defense mode because I said, no, we don't need to go that route. It's, it's, it's got to be another way. You know, it's got to be another way. So, uh, so I commend you for stepping up and doing what's best for you. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and I don't have no regrets about it, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. You know what? I still have you in my life as my, you know, as a shared parent for my kids. And, you know, and you. Parents now. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that too. And like you were, we, we truly became best friends during that era, right? During that time, we were like right. Bonnie and Clyde. You right. know, just Christian version. I don't know what a Christian right. version of Bunny Cloud would be. We were that. You was my road dog. We did yeah, everything yeah, yeah. together, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did everything together. We because did. Because for us, you know, we both, like I said, we came from broken systems, you know, single parent home, dealing with rejection, dealing with other abuse that we had to deal with. And so when we came together, that bondship that we both were desiring, we were desiring love, we were desiring family, you know, because you wanted a family and I wanted a family. So our love language was beginning to shape us and we're doing a lot of things together. Our house became the hangout spot. We brought people <laughs> together to for function, birthdays. We saw yeah. we stood out numerous times, you know. Yes. It was a our house was a place that people, you know, said were were it was, life, life, our house life, was a house of love. Our house was a house of love. It was a house of love. And so when, when we, we, when we rocked the world and said that we were no longer the devil, it shocked a lot of people like, wow, it what did. happened? And then a lot of people said, well, they didn't make it. I know we ain't gonna make it. And it seemed yeah. like two or three of our own friends, they went into divorce, you know? They people did, yeah. Our house on Monday nights for, um, for a shrimp night, you know, yeah. fish and shrimp on, on Monday nights, and we had a room full of people doing Tabo, and and it seems like what happened to us, it spilled out to our friends at the time, mm -hmm. that they went into divorce mode as well. So I knew that what when we were together, it was it was powerful. We was doing something positive, you know. So it wasn't about throwing scripture down people's throats, but letting people be real. You know what I'm saying? Letting them be who they are. You know what I'm saying? We have you friends know. that that smoke. We have friends that drink that, but yeah. we never drink them because that you know. Gay, we straight, here. didn't matter. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> we yeah. had a we had we truly had a house of love, and um, I think you know going forward when we split, one thing I tried to maintain. You know, you met me in that space. You met me, and I was already that the neighborhood house. <laughs> Don't believe that. Yeah, people do not believe that. I gave a different flavor to it. Yeah, yeah. That's no. What I'm saying is that when when you met when you met me and started hanging out with me, I was already the neighborhood house, and people don't don't believe that. But I'm like, I was in my my when I I mean I was I grew I mean that's all I knew. You know what I mean? So 18, 19. We grew up in the era. We grew up in the era that house parties were the thing. You know? Yeah, and and sell everything was. We celebrated everything. everything. 
And right. so when we left Fayetteville, because that's where we wound up living together, when we left Fayetteville, my family, they were devastated. Uh, Vanessa was just like, where do we go now to have a barbecue? You know what I mean? <laughs> so so our house was truly the house of love. Our, our sisters and brothers, and, and I say that you know, like we share our, you know, my family, of course, the, the, the bulk of it. Um, and we just had that. And so the one thing I, even when we got here, still the same, that was who we were. We welcomed people, you know, you in the military, we welcoming new people. And, you know, we were young in the military. And, and you know, when I came to the city, I immediately just start connecting out in the community. I went and found us a church, you know, I did all that. It's like, we're gonna go here, you know. But right. uh, what I tried to do was to make sure that our kids still had the foundation that we had started and that was hey whenever they come here you know we're going to still celebrate we're going to invite everybody over we're going to feed the community we're going to celebrate every single holiday every special day so my kids were able to grow up or our kids were able to grow up still in that type of environment although it wasn't us together but one thing that we have done i want the listeners to know this every time there's a huge milestone for our kids we have gone off to celebrate them either by renting a space or cottage or some type of, you know, campground, whatever, to make sure that we bring our families together and we celebrate our children. We've done that. And I think that's that's so beautiful. And I'm I'm grateful for that. So again, for those of you just listening, you're trying to figure it out. And I I said this to someone else most recently about their um, trying to cope here. I said, try to establish a decent workable relationship with your children's mother try your best because trust me it will pay off in the long run and that's something i appreciate that i know it wasn't easy for you because god knows we we argued over some things (laughs) to relate to kids but i am thankful that you hung in there with me in spite of it all and now look at where we are on the other right. side, looking at our kids as young adults. Right. You know, I, you know, the one thing that, um, you know, just going back to something you had said earlier, that you know, with your relationship, that you lost a couple of relationships because mm-hmm. they didn't understand, you know, just the importance that the father would be part. You know what I'm saying? of the children's life, you know, and I'm, and I would never, you know, and I haven't, you know, stopped any father in any relationship that I've had outside of Ivy to stop and not be a part of their, you know, kids' life, children's life, because that is important, you know, it's important that, you know, the children still get a balance. And yeah. Even though they're getting my balance outside of the home, but there's still a balance because you know, with my own self, you know, my father, you know, I look like him, talk like him, you know, I have his, all of his names, first, middle, last names. I'm junior, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that resonation with him, that relationship that I can call him when he was alive and be like, "Hey, Dad, I got a problem." And so I knew, regardless of what. And I don't know if you remember me telling you this, but in the early stages of our relationship, I told you, I said, if you ever get pregnant with our child, you don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there for them, regardless if we're there or not. And Mm -hmm. that was, even though I've made some mistakes in our relationship, 
but that was the one promise that I never wanted you to ever say to me that I did not fulfill, that I was not there for my children. And so once I got past the reality that we were not going to be together, then I really took on the role of co-parenting because yeah. you know, with the military, you were, you know, we was, uh, you was more um, rooted and grounded to be stationary because, you know, the military moves us around. And so through deployments and traveling throughout my career, I knew that it was better shape for you to, to, for them to stay with you. And so yeah. I would take on the sacrifice, you know what I'm saying, to, you know, let them be stable because I wanted them to have a stable environment. Right. And I couldn't have picked a better partner in you to provide that because you are, you are one of the most unselfish people that I know. And you put those children before you, you turned down good jobs, you turned down so many different things that would have made life better, but you wanted them to have a foundation. And so I think that that was always the plan, because I know we had these conversations through, yeah. through <laughs> conversation that we wanted our children to have it better than we have. And, and through the help of the Lord and through our dedication and hard work to pull it off, I think that we have had some success in the parenting role. You know, we yeah. may have had a loss in the marriage, but I think that we get a two thumbs up for the success in the marriage. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in the, yeah. in the parenting. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, your your daughter probably would not say the same about me. I'm terrible. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> you being, you getting on her was probably the best thing because, you know, we see those those children that the parents didn't chastise, they didn't have those restrictions, they're now in prison, they're now in jail, they're now dead, they're now making nothing of themselves. But by you being strict on her, she's in college, you know, with a 3.5 or 4.0 grade point average, and she's always been near the top of the class. And so you do have success, but it was growing family. And she may not appreciate it now, but years from now, she'll look back when she's a mother and say, you know what, now I understand why my my mother did what she did. Because it was the same for me. My mother was hard on me. She mm -hmm. me with brooms and, and, and I probably shouldn't say that I want about going to jail, but you know, she was beating with brooms and, and switches and belts. Sorry, Margaret. <laughs> kept me out of jail. It kept me out of, I've never been on probation, never been to court except traffic court you know, prison, none of that stuff is because of that foundation. So that was the same thing that we wanted to do for our, our children. So I think I think we got it right. Yeah, well, Margaret did all right with you. There ain't no need to complain. No. She raised a very good, you are you are a good man. I appreciate you're, it. You're a good man. So, um, and that's something that my kids can be proud of. You know, regardless of how things worked out with us and how they felt about dad not being there, I mean, you are a good man. And they see, well, you know, you're a pushover because they get anything they want, but you are a good man. <laughs> that is not true. So Trinity's probably listening. She's like, no, dad, you're really you're producing, are. Yeah, I'll make sure y'all edit that out there. <laughs> That's not true. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Okay. But, see, but no, no. But see, if the roles were reverse. I would be the disciplinarian. You would be the pushover because you're outside the Greg, home. And when so we were together, you were not a disciplinarian. You are not. Dude. 
You are such a teddy bear. (laughs) You are such a teddy bear, man. No. Yeah. So, Trini get anything that she wants. And Jalen, I mean, he raggedy as he can be. That's my son, y'all. Love him dearly. He raggedy. Love him dearly. And he can get anything from you. You'll preach to them, fuss at them, and then give it to them. That's because I want them to always know <laughs> that they can come to their father because that's what a father They know. <laughs> they post the chest ties them and things that makes but hey, I can't be stricter if I need to be. Well, they grown now, Charlotte. They still, they still coming. <laughs> I need you to ride up here when they were 16 and whip some booty. Right. right. <laughs> I love y'all. So just so y'all know, I really will call Rick and tell him, what now, Rick? Yes. You need to come up here and blah, 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 you know. Right. And right. he would be like, I'm still praying for him. I'm still praying. Right, <laughs> I'm right. like, will you stop praying for these kids? <laughs> it worked. They still, they made it. They both graduated and <laughs> going on to doing better things. So it worked. I was losing my, well, you should have been praying for me then. Cause I was. Obviously... I was. I was praying. <laughs> so listen, so this is the relationship zone where we talk about love life and all things relationships. Um, with that being said, we've shared that we were married for umpteen years. We divorced, um, the trials of divorce, the trials of trying to move on. You watched me move on, start dating someone else a couple of different times. And, uh, and, and then you went on after some, after several years and you got remarried and you are a pastor. So because I grew up in um, Pentecostal. And so I know the stigma behind divorce and remarriage and so on and so forth. So how do you handle what comes with being a Christian Black man, married, divorced, and remarried? How do you handle the weight of that? Because I know it's heavy sometimes or can be. So how do you handle that? Well, you know, you said it earlier in the church, there's that stigma that you want to, you have to look a certain way, you got to act a certain way, you got to have a certain things on your resume, especially if you're going to be in ministry. And a lot of people think that, you know, if you have a squeaky clean record, you know, a lot of people won't receive from you because they want to know do you have any battle scars? And, you know, the word of God tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter six, that we should put on the whole armor of God. And when I put my armor on, there's going to be some cracks in it. There's going to be some dents. There's going to be some tears. There's going to be some brokenness because I, you know, have been through some, a lot of things. Yeah. And so when I'm now, you know, a pastor, I have married over 14 um, couples over a period of 17 years. I'm going into my 18th year of ministry, uh, which you was there at the beginning. Yeah. On, on Father's Day, um, June 16th, 2002. This boy's right so there. good with dates. I'm and, no good. At Holy Temple, First Pentecostal Church of Deliverance. Bishop Shout out to Mario Pastor Donna. the late Pastor Donna. Yes. yes. <laughs> Mother Donna, God bless them as they rest in peace. But, you yeah. know, um, you know, I have um, used my experiences with us because I've only been married to you know one time. You know now I'm remarried, but mm-hmm. I use those experiences because, like I said earlier, what we went through 
caused me to go and want to become a better person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't do so so I can point the finger at you and say, ha ha, Louis, you missing out on. No, I did so because I did not want to ever go through pain again like I did during that time mm-hmm. that he was, you know, separating and going into eventually divorce. And so now I'm very transparent with my parishioners and, and let them know that you will make mistakes, that you will have to deal with yourself. You will have to go into a period of isolation and begin to work on who you are to make yourself better. And if you don't do so, you're selling yourself short because I don't want, people won't want to know who's real. And yeah. people, people draw to you because you're very transparent, you're very real. If you don't want honesty, do not ask her because she will tell you amen and will say you with a straight face. And oh. just about yourself. She'll leave you there with your mouth open oh. and you'll be on about your business, you know. So but it's all in love. It is. But see a lot of but see a lot of men, <clears throat> with a lot of men, a lot of us, uh, is that we don't want a woman of your of of your demeanor to tell us that because we don't think that our stuff smells. You know what I'm saying? We think that we just supposed to just do whatever we can do and never be chastised for it. But in a relationship with you, you're not going to let that happen because if you see the good in a person, you're going to want to push them. But at that point, you wanted to keep pushing me, but you needed to push yourself and get yourself repaired because if you were to push me and I end up becoming a bishop somewhere, and you stay struggling as, a, as the first lady, then you lost yourself, and the whole world will miss out on the gift that God has put in you. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you are so accurate on that. I also believe that, like, I wouldn't have been able to authentically be me. I remember you, you brought up the when you uh, did your trial sermon, your initial sermon, because you were already like youth pastor and at some point, you know, you were a choir director, you were a minister in that space as well. And and even though you didn't have the title, you would, you would get up and, and semi-preach in church and preach in church. Um, but I remember when you were actually being ordained by Pastor Garner, um, I, I, we'd had an argument the night before. We did. You were, we had I an argument that before, and I was angry, and I was so, I was mad at God that God can allow this man to get up here and preach these sermons and lead these people and his house is in disorder. And you knew I grew up saying, <clears throat> "Well, you know what? Um, either we're going to straddle the fence, Rick, or we're going to be all in or all out." You remember that conversation? I do. I remember that conversation. And I just remember being so angry with you, and it was hard to have been, it would have been very hard, almost impossible for me. Now, some people can do it, but almost impossible for me. But it was difficult for me to continue supporting you when we had some issues that were larger than life for me. And I never wanted that. I want us to be authentically true. So people need to think about that. They need to think about that if they're going through something. They need to think about how they can also be, um, you know, authentically true in who they are. And you have to make a decision. And that decision is sometimes kind of tough. 